Welcome to At The Podium with Manuel Amesqua. I'm super excited to have my dear friend, Herman Moore with us today. As you know, this is a platform to have extremely high energy conversations with CEOs, business owners, and professional athletes doing great things on behalf of great people across the world. And as most of you know, I mean, it goes without saying, I'm not going to read a bunch of football statistics for humanity's sake today, but I am going to remind folks that Herman is a serial entrepreneur. He is an NFL all pro wide receiver with our beloved Detroit Lions. And yes, I am a lifelong Chicago Bears fan, but you have to have tremendous respect for the city that cannot be out hustled. Detroit versus everybody. Herman Moore, he's the founder and CEO of Team 84 LLC. And I will tell you, I'm not going to go through every single business that he has started, launched, or is a part of today. But when I say serial entrepreneur, here's a guy who is doing great things on behalf of great people by building incredible organizations represented by incredible humans. And I can't wait to have today's conversation with Herman. Herman, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure to see you. <laughs> you too. You too. And and hey, I mean, just so that folks know, because everybody's always like, you're from Chicago. You have all these Detroit guests, right? I'm like, look, I've got two Herman Moore footballs behind me. Just FYI, let's just be clear. I do have two Herman Moore footballs behind me, and they're uh, next to another guy that I know is a dear friend of his, Calvin Johnson. Congratulations to Megatron. I mean, what an incredible story and, and, and uh, an incredible moment that I know Herman's going to get to look forward to in the future as well. Herman, we start with every guest having the exact same conversation. What is your favorite color? Blue. <laughs> Can't you tell? It's got to be blue. <laughs> favorite afternoon snack? Pizza. Oh my God. People think of that as a meal. That is a snack. I love it. And folks, as you know, he's like a specimen of health still. <laughs> and I am not. So I cannot have pizza as an afternoon snack. Good for you, man. Uh, and your favorite childhood superhero. Wow. That, that's that's childhood superhero. It was going to be tough between the Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man. You know, th those were kind of my... I mean, action heroes, comic, you know, heroes or whatever. I, they, they took me to a different place. I grew up in an inner city. I grew up in a housing project. So you always look for that escape. And I, I, I love the fact that they had these supernatural powers and all this. And, and Spider-Man was kind of cool because he, he, it wasn't all about just strength, even though he had that. But he had to use his wit and he had to plan and he had to do all these other cool things. And Incredible Hulk was just brute strength. It was just, you know, he's just this, this massive monster that was a, you know, a juggernaut. So I, those, those probably my two, but Spider-Man probably be above uh, Incredible Hulk. I, I love that you said that. And I love the way you described your uh, perception and interpretation of, of Spider-Man. Uh, it, it like immediately I was like, oh, of course, because that's who Herman is. Let's take a step back. Talk to me about your childhood. Well, you know, growing up, I, for those who don't know, I'm not originally from Michigan. I'm from Virginia. I came here in 1991 to Michigan after being drafted by Detroit Lions, but grew up in a small place called Danville, Virginia, which is about 55, 65,000 people um, during the time when I was there. And um, 
it was mainly a textile or an industrial type community. Um, single parent, uh, grew up in housing projects that I said earlier. And it, it wasn't so much that that was the unique piece. It was just the fact that I was able to be around and, and see a woman who, as a single parent, they said, you know, it takes a, a man to raise a man. While that may be true in, in some regards, uh, there's nothing like the strength of a woman who has to do it. And, and for her, she taught me so many values that still exist with me today. And the biggest one being never to quit. Uh, and in everything that I do, I promised her I would never quit. I quit one time in my life and that was it. I was about seven years old and it was over sports. And luckily I stuck with it. Uh, but that was my background. And then eventually leaving there, going through uh, all the way up through high school, going out to the University of Virginia, uh, getting an opportunity at an athletic scholarship. Academically, I, was, I wasn't very good. I mean, I was right at a C, C minus tops. Um, because I, I was, that wasn't a big focus of mine. But then going to the University of Virginia, it really pushed me to realize that I, there was a greater and a higher calling and endeavor uh, that was there for me. And the opportunity that was given through athletics to then move on to a, a higher me uh, allowed me to kind of just dial in and ultimately graduated on time as a junior and uh, ended up in Detroit. And now I'm putting my, my University of Virginia good uh, background to use and making my alma mater very proud of what I've become after uh, sports, which was my platform to launch me to get me here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been incredible. Just in the last five years that I've been here in Michigan, uh, it's been incredible to see all of the work uh, that not only that you've done, that your teams have done in this marketplace, but uh, based out of this marketplace, the impact that you've been able to have nationally. Talk to me about uh, where did the vision, where did the vision, I mean, just this massive vision you have, even when we're together, it's like, the, uh, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm, I, I know I'm shorter, but like, I'm really the, like the short guy in the room right now when I'm around you and we're talking about vision and aspirations and all that you believe is possible. Where was that born? Well, it, was, it comes from the fact that I, I love art, uh, creative. I, I, I work with every pretty much every medium you could imagine. And I've always looked at ways to, I was thought of always as being a little different, different meaning that hmm. I always asked a question why, you know, and I didn't realize even at an early age why I would challenge pretty much everything that's told to me. We, we learn a lot of things, but a lot of times we will become, we, we're naturally our followers when we're younger. We're told certain things and we just do it because we trust that what's being told to us is what we're supposed to do. Well, even at that early age, I was disruptive. And I would always say, well, why can't we do it a different way? Is there a better way? And that's kind of carried me all the way through. It sometimes gotten me in trouble. Sometimes it's, it's made me appear to be a little difficult at times to, to, to work with. Uh, but at the end, what comes out of it is that you're, you, you make sure you're not leaving necessarily, not necessarily stones unturned, but you're giving yourself an opportunity to say, you know, have I at least looked at all the possibilities that are afforded to me? And uh, when you look at the businesses, that's exactly what it is. It's taking nothing that is new, but it's saying, how do we transform it? How do we disrupt it? How do we challenge tradition and what we do? So I try and do that from parenting. Uh, when I was, I have two boys who were they're grown men now, 27 and 28. Um, my wife and I, we would battle about how we should raise them uh, every once in a while, but in a very creative way. You know, anyone who's married is argumentation and debating at the highest level. Uh, but what what I do, Manny, is uh, it's just like this. It's like, I, why not? 
right? We're, we're given that opportunity to look beyond just what is told to us. I think it's the laziness sometimes that allow us to say, you know, let's just follow status quo. Let's just do what has already been laid uh, as a path versus saying, how do we start to find our way and how do we find that new next thing? Um, so that's that's what drives me every day. And that's why I do a lot of the things I do. I, you know, I, I do not want to get into the topic of, uh, you know, vaccine or no vaccine shot or no shot. You know, is it a vaccine? Is it not right? However, though, however, you just what you made me think of is um, some of the tragedy that we're living in today where I think humanity has lost its way in being willing to embrace thoughtful discussion between people who presumably might care about each other, care about the schools, care about their kids, care about their community, simply because of the someone said, I'm going to trust and I'm just going to do what I was told. Mm -hmm. Without getting into that discussion, I mean, you did one of the most incredible things during a very difficult time when you decided to kind of step up and say, hey, look, I'm going to do something with the blessings of businesses and resources and relationships I have to do something about COVID and provide options for people, provide a platform for people to decide what's best for them and, uh, and, and get the type of treatment that they think could be helpful. What, where does where does that like even like the, the desire, the courage, the 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 willingness, the, the the servant leadership, where does that all come from for you to have made that decision and stepped up in a big way? Because for weeks you were all over the news about being another one of the community's champions uh, at a very difficult time. And and obviously, as your friend, I, you know, I was just proud to to see you doing that. Well, I really appreciate that. Uh, it came from the fact that as a business, we saw that we had resources and it's no different than if you think of um, philanthropy and you think of charitable organizations, they're always trying to find what people need and they transition. Sometimes they have an element of, of what they do and it says, okay, we go after and we work with adolescents or we work with homeless or we work with those that have medical needs or those that are disadvantaged or there's a lack of uh, social equity. But for us as a company, anyone who knows me and anyone goes to our website at Team 84, the first thing you'll see, it says giving back. And that means that we are a company that we transition, we can pivot, and we're flexible without losing who we are and the core of what we do. We're able to pivot into spaces where we can continue to be relevant and provide a service and help. And at that time, we have a business that was printing promotions. We had um, businesses where we were doing transactions and procurement and fulfillment across seas in four different countries uh, throughout various parts of our country here domestically. And we had access and relationships with all of the warehouses abroad that were now transitioning into COVID response places. They were making all types of PPE. They were making all types of mm -hmm. uh, things that were needed for humanity uh, to try and combat the COVID-19. And what we did as a business is we pivoted our company and we started to basically take those resources and divert those to places we knew needed it. And that was healthcare systems. That was our state. 
That was our education systems. That was to local families and organizations. And for that, the blessings came back to us as a business by just naturally doing what we do. And that is just being a service to our community. Um, And a lot of people will talk about that and say that, but anyone who knows me, that's our fabric. And if that can't be part of the foundation or the brick that we put first, then that's just not a business that I do, Uh, even through my partnerships, even getting to know you and understanding all the goodwill and all the things that you do in the the communities that you support, not just here, but also back in Chicago, um, meant a lot to me. And that's why our relationship has has bonded as well as it has because of just the integrity of who you are as a person and, and who we like to be aligned with as a business. And I, I really appreciate you saying that. You know, I had a, a, a guest on recently, uh, a, a friend of mine out west, and she mentioned to me, she said, you know, the concept of being a fountain versus a drain. And, uh, you know, I, I when you said that, it just brought that thought to mind of, of how much that is a reflection of who Team 84 is. And, and the team's a reflection of typically... Uh, the hierarchy that exists in that environment, right? Or that ecosystem, whether it's the owner, the head coach, or maybe the owner and the head coach is the same human. I often, when I think about you, I not only think about you as a serial entrepreneur that's building these incredible companies, whether it's in manufacturing or technology or media, but I think of you as a builder of humans and builder of teams. Talk to me about when you realized, you know, there's just so many people out there who are all about just building themselves. And then there's people who say, I'm going to build everything around me. And talk to me about when you realized in your life that you're like, look, I'm a team, you know, one team, team first guy, and it's always team above self. And I'm obsessed and unflinchingly, unflinchingly committed to building incredible teams. When did that happen for you? It started to really start to take hold, I would say, post-career in the NFL. I've been a part of sports since the age of six, and I've had to always rely on someone else to be able to get something done. And it's always been true that you you have to, you're going to have different people who have different strengths, and you're going to have certain ones that you know, they're going to have what are perceived as weaknesses, but they're not. It's just about how you then direct them and how you use them and not put them in a position where they're using their weaknesses more than they are using their strengths. We all have strengths. And it's, it's when you're leading from the top, you have to be able to evaluate who you have and you got to be able to evaluate what you need. And you got to have vision and direction of how do you put people in a position to always be at their optimal level. Uh, I've gone through several businesses. And I've worked with teams as small as two, myself and another, to as many as 500 plus when I used to own 30 plus franchise units. And what I've seen that was the the, the thing that was the the similarity in all those was communication. It was, you know, you got to have business acumen. That's one thing. I mean, if you're going to be in business, you got to have business. If you're going to lead a team, you got to have leadership qualities and executive qualities and all that. Everyone's not cut for that. It doesn't mean that they don't have the quality. It just means that they're not quite ready or they're not just having the passion and the drive that goes with that. And what I've learned is that you can't get a whole lot done in scale without team and without mm-hmm. partners and without and your team. We have our internal team, which are my team members here. You know, a lot of people call them staff. Some people call them employees. I call them my teammates. Uh, but we then have to have our external team, which is our partnerships, is relationships like we have with you. And we still have to have strength there. 
where we go in and we say, okay, we're, we're not going to take a step back and we're going to can't carry that same thing. So that's what's driven me. And I've learned by listening. I've learned by doing more of listening than talking. And, and then from there, listening to my team and listening to my staff and listening to my, my employees and people like that, you know, whatever you call them, but you got to be receptive to that and understand you can have your thoughts and your ideas, but you don't discount others. You include them, not exclude them. And, and you, you bring value and you make them understand that they have just as much value as you have, even as a CEO, even as a president or, or C-suite or executive, they, they, you can't get it done without them and they can't get it done without you, especially when it's a company. Yeah. I, uh, so when, when you speak on that, you know, that always super resonates for me because of, I mean, you know how unflinchingly uh, committed I am to team. And, you know, to me, I always, you know, suggest to people the, the title we're given is because of tradition or, you know, the industry that we're in, and this is the way they've done things in the past. But at the end of the day, um, the uh, the sort of visionary or head of an organization is really the steward and the team captain. And right. uh, I think of like some of the greatest, you know, uh, uh, Chicago Blackhawks teams that played in the NH- NHL. And you thought about some of the great captains they've had throughout the history of that team and that franchise. And I just was always so impressed that I felt like like the Charlie Hustle Award seemed to always go to the team captain. Like that guy seemed to just consistently night in, night out, put out the most assertive, aggressive, confident effort on the ice. And uh, and that's when I realized like, wow, that's that's what a team captain should look like, whether they were the ones scoring all the goals or not, right? They were the ones like leaving it all on the field of battle uh, for the benefit and the advocacy of the organization, the vision and the value proposition of what they represent. And, uh, and that's where I get super excited thinking about all of the incredible organizations that you're building. When you talked about team of two, I thought about breaking bread with Herman Moore and Lomas <laughs> Brown. I, I, I mean, we cannot wait to see that come to life. Uh, but tell me, besides that, what what other project or or organization or initiative are you really obsessed about right now, making an impact behind? Well, we've broken our company into kind of certain components. So a lot of people look at their business and say, "Okay, we serve, we have a service, or we have a commodity, or whatever it is that they're they're, they're giving." Uh, for us, I want to make sure that we had something that touched people. And it allowed us to have an impact in that part of it. And that was our staffing arm. But I didn't want to just become a staffing business and a recruiting business. We're staffing solution. And what that means is that we go in and we try and solve your problem, not just hand you people. And we try and help work with you to to problem solve so the attrition and those things don't happen. Second one was marketing and advertising. So that's the creative and the branding. I come from a world where it makes or break you. Uh, It's taken so long for me Mm -hmm. to break out of the the light of being a a professional football player, a former professional football player, to transition into being a business person. So I've had to kind of shed that. That's the comfort zone. That's the easy one. Everyone knows you play football and you can catch passes and you're all pro. But what have you done in business and what can you do? So I've I've spent time putting that together so that I could then uh, get people to understand and that I take this very serious in everything that I do with my business. Uh, the, the other part to this is um, philanthropy. 
and making sure that okay. we continue to serve our community as a business. Uh, so with the Tackle Life Foundation, it's going out and figuring out how do we touch everyone from adolescents to adults and how do we become those that provide resources? As you said before, how do we how do we pour in, not drain, you know, basically our community? Uh, and then the final one is technology. If you're if you're not doing technology in some capacity, especially if you're an emerging business or you're a growing business and you're you're looking to advance and scale, you have to be able to, to streamline and do lean management. You have to be able to have a part of your business that will allow you to have greater communication and also be relevant in other circles other than just your own bubble. And um, we've been able to to kind of drive and conquer that piece. So that's kind of what our anatomy is as a business and what we provide as services. Uh, so I, I want to go back to where we started because so much of what Team 84 represents today and the Moore family represents today has to do with servant leadership, giving back, being that fountain versus that drain. Uh, uh, being in the financial services industry, you know, we, we, we speak and communicate with our clients and our friends and, and the people that we care about that, about the fact that like, look, one thing you cannot dispute is that our childhood and our childhood experiences will have a, in a tremendous impact on our relationship with money, on our relationship with generosity, on our relationship with giving up the greatest asset that exists, the greatest currency that exists in today's world, which is our time. It's the one thing that cannot be replicated. How much of, of, of that abundance mentality and approach to life that I see in you, that I see in joy, uh, that I see in the people you surround yourself with, like Chrissy and, and others, Lomas, uh, you know, how much of that do you think came from your childhood and who else throughout your life, childhood and beyond had an impact and influence on that? Well, it definitely stems from my childhood. Um, I can't say enough about my mother and a, a lot of people would have to meet her and know her to understand who she is and the foundation of, of what she has provided. She had to take care of all of her brothers and sisters. She was the oldest of her siblings. And having to be responsible uh, made us responsible. We learned chores at a very early age. We learned how to make sure that we did certain things that were necessary in terms of life skills. Because we didn't have a ton growing up, mm -hmm. once we, I was blessed enough to go in the NFL and, and earn a very good living and be able to become financially independent. The responsibility that came with that was something that not many people come from that background are prepared and ready for. And you're used to giving out and being so overly generous with things. Why not still do that with your money? Why not also be over trusting? Um, but what I learned through that process of having some ups and downs, and I'll admit, I mean, I was one of those players that came real close to having some, some really bad financial outturns because I became overly trusting. Uh, and even with financial people, I, I wasn't prepared mentally and from an education standpoint to be able to speak with my advisors and plan mm -hmm. strategically in a way that made their jobs and their commitment to me smoother because I would step outside of the plan because I just didn't know any better. And financial literacy is one of those things. That's a, that's a life tool. That is something that uh, I didn't have 
I didn't open up my first checking account until I was in the NFL uh, and having my own credit card and all those things. You know, we didn't have resources like that. So it, this was it, it is a it is a commitment that I've made back to make sure it's not about what I give it's about how I prepare. How do I prepare people for what I know they're going to need? You can you can give people things all day. But mm-hmm. if you give them knowledge and then you give them the confidence and you give them products and services or or relationships that will allow them to grow and nurture and explore. Now you now you're really doing something. You're doing something a little different. It's not passive. Um, so that, that's where that's where I am. And with all those people you named, uh, for instance, with uh, my mom, I had my school teacher. There was a lady by the name of Betty Sarton. I nominated her for a teacher of the year. She was my um, elementary, not my elementary, my middle school teacher. She ended up becoming teacher of the year for the NFL. And the reason I nominated her, because she <laughs> she told me the importance of being a man. You know, I, I, everybody talks about that. I had nominated her because she told me that stayed behind after school and, and to, to work on the eraser board. You know, at that time we had to we had to take the, the blackboard and you had to erase them and all that. I didn't want to go play out in the yard. She had me stay there and she mentored me the whole time and talked to me about etiquette and talked to me about uh, what it meant to have good character. And she helped me build that. So then when I got to my coaches, they were then hard on me. They saw I had talent, but they weren't going to just let me walk through for a win on their column. They would kick me off the team and say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to kick you off because it's going to be better than me allowing you to sit here and get through because of your athletic ability. And when I saw that they took something away from me that meant something to me, I, ch- I changed. I came back. I was the leader. I was the one who made people understand you don't, you don't squander opportunity. And that carried me all the way through my, my, my career. Got to college, same mentors, same coaches, same professors and deans who, who stuck with me, even though I wasn't the greatest student. But they saw something in me I didn't see in myself, so they didn't give up. And then the final one I say when I got to the NFL, it was paying it back. As I started to go through, I was having a tough first year as a rookie. Um, my my soon to be wife was in college. She was going to leave and then graduate the year after. I was kind of by myself, this young player here in Michigan. But I, I'll say this, Manny: it was the coaches who stuck there with me, as the mentors that came to my aid. And instead of the Lions getting rid of me, they they gave me the tools to get better. And then after that, I gave those tools back to those other young players who came in to say, here's how you, you can come up. Here's all pro guy that's taking some of their reps and showing them how to run some of the routes or helping take that time to help them get better because that's what I needed. And I continue to do that in life. And it's not a, it's not a, a thing you throw the light on yourself. I throw it back on all those people because I can't be me without them. And, and, it, and it's all about that. And even if you're talking to someone like you, I know I'm in the right space because you don't attract CEOs. Of, of wealth management companies or large financial institutions and people that will, will give you that type of energy and effort and time, unless you're a person of good character. Because I know you don't have bad character. And I know a lot of people around and these top professionals, even all the way down to those that are at the stadiums cleaning the floors, they respect me. And that means a lot to me, even though they may not know me. So it's someone's done something right. I, I credit all those along the way. Uh, you talked about Chrissy, Joy, Kim here at my office. Strong women. Uh, I, I talk about my fans, my friends, my, you know, you just can't do it by yourself. And, and I guess that's the that's the nutshell of it. And, you know, I talk about my wife. I always give her a lot of credit because she stuck with me. She's helped raise two beautiful kids. And uh, without her, you know, we all know you, you got to have someone else that's going to help you chase your vision and trace your dreams. And 
so I, I'd be doing her a disservice if I didn't mention her as well. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> that list goes on and on and on and on and on. Oh, if you can see, man. Just, if anyone's always saying, hey, I, I did it because of me, you, you might want to just turn off your ear set and whatever and just move on because yeah. it's, it's you're not going to get far. Yeah, I mean, I look, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, those five minutes and, and you're dropping fire the whole time. But I mean, those five minutes, you know, I just think of, you know, the phrase of standing on the shoulders of giants. Right. And every giant is different. And there's a reason that our mothers, our, our uh, elementary school teachers, our coaches, uh, our spouses, um, you know, have such a uh, meaningful and significant impact on our lives. You know, at the end of the day, though, you we wake up to ourselves every morning. Like. You know, I mean, Samantha will often say, hey, I gave I gave you the recipe to success on that thing 100 times already. You're still not doing it. Right. You know, so we're waking up to ourselves every morning. And so let's acknowledge uh, because I can't believe that you were always this amazing superstar with the exception of your acknowledgement of your C grades, which I I graduated from college with a two eight nine. But uh, with the exception of that acknowledgement, tell me about another time in recent times as you were building these organizations where you dealt with a moment of adversity and the moment of adversity was actually on you. It was on you. You had to own that. And how did you respond? Who was around you and how did you handle the situation? Well, that's a, that's, I appreciate that. The, The great question and I'll try and condense it as best I can because sure it was a, an emotional time. I started out with myself and Joy and a handful of others, and we were mainly on the marketing and communication side of things and branding. So we were a small firm. This was a little over 18 months ago. And then we hit COVID and everything started to go. And, and I was really building on something at that point. And we were in a process of some acquisitions. We were in the process of bringing on uh, new team members. And then ultimately, I ended up acquiring a new company and we started a staffing firm. And at that time, I had 15 people. And when I looked at those 15 people, they all had transitioned over to me. And now we're hitting a spot where how do I keep them? You know, everything's shutting down. They're, this is their livelihood. I took it personal. You know, yeah, I would be okay. But it was no way I was going to be able to sleep well, knowing that now all these people, all these team members were going to have to kind of find their way and struggle. You know, you can't save everyone, but these are these are my immediate people. These are the ones that have come in and tried to support me and support my endeavors. And how as a person of character, a person and you can't again, you can't save everyone. How do you turn your back to that and go home and sleep well at night? So I looked at all the resources that were out there, everything from the loans that were available to how could I take and use my personal finances? How could I then also try and establish or find a place for them to continue to set up shop and be able to put this together? And it was myself, uh, Kim Knight, who is our president of staffing and our chief of staff for Team 84, and a handful of others uh, that came in and started to put it together piece by piece day by day, minute by minute. 
and we didn't flinch. We had nothing but confidence in one another. I know who they are. They know who I am, and we're not quitters. We're innovators. We are problem solvers. And because we leaned on that, we came through it. And to come out of it as strong as we did as a company and with even greater innovation and being in a position to where they have greater stability uh, from a job standpoint, as well as a financial standpoint, speaks volumes to, again, the, the trust of confidence, but also looking at yourself and saying, who are you? Who are you? You know, we don't know that really until we're challenged, until we have to come face to face with fight, flight, sink or swim. Mm -hmm. You know, do you, 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 you put up or you shut up and you find out very quickly who you are. You find out very quickly what kind of people you have around you. And um, those are some of the challenges we came. We were like everyone else where we were going to be a business of very few or none if we didn't do something. And it wasn't waiting for it as much as we took the initiative to say, we're going to go and try and determine what we can collectively, the future of this company. What do you think when you, um, and I appreciate you sharing that because I, um, well, look, I, I appreciate you sharing that because that's, that's exactly what I expect from someone like you. I expect uh, in, in a tremendous level of character and authenticity. And I would anticipate that in most moments, because perfection is not a real thing, but in most moments, um, you are putting team above everything else. And, uh, and that's special. I mean, I think, I think when folks listen to this sometime in the future, I mean, we've got to remember like Team 84 LLC is i mean that's the umbrella company right mm -hmm. and there's all these wonderful like things going on underneath there and so many incredible organizations and philanthropic endeavors and commitments and initiatives that impact our community that i think pe people need people may want people don't need they don't need to they shouldn't blah 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 should's a bad word but people may want uh, to learn more about that story. And so I'm really glad that you shared that in such an authentic and vulnerable way. When you think of, when you think of the next game, when you think of the next game, what's that one thing in that next game, that next play, that next season that you're thinking about, Hey, this is something really at the forefront of my mind and my vision that's an integral part of this team 84 LLC community and legacy that I'm creating. This is, this is a big part of that. This is something people should know about because if the right people hear about it, they should reach out. What is that for you right now? What would be two things I mentioned earlier in the show that um, giving back is one thing. And I use that as a, a cornerstone and as a, a as the, really the, the premise of how we grow our businesses by serving others. And I would say if, if I needed people to support is support the initiatives that we come up with. Everything that we do, we do for others. And then the business along the way happens. It happens in a natural sense. Um, we are looking at, when I look at what our next play is gonna be and what our next season is gonna look like, it is creating entrepreneurs. It is creating people who have the ability to have sustainability, and financial freedom because we partner with them. 
not that we give them an opportunity, but we partner with them to see the opportunity from in its inception to the culmination. And by doing that, our entrepreneurship programs, which we're going to do through the Tackle Life Foundation, uh, is going to allow us to grow people who need to scale their business, but don't have the resources that we have uh, to leverage what we have as, as, as resources to help them scale, whether it's in manu contract manufacturing and creating their own products or brands and personal care services to pet care, to uh, car care kits, to cleaning solutions, uh, to getting people to come in who want to learn about technology. And once they want to grow in that particular area um, and learning about how to create a SaaS platform or deal with uh, creating uh, e-commerce as a business and understanding how you scale those things. So we, we're looking to become that company and then along the way, solve the problems for our, our uh, partners. Uh, we really want to be that arm and that's it. I mean, it's, if we can serve our, our communities and serve our clients the same way with the same vigor and the same mentality, it's fun. We smile all day. You know, like I tell people, we talk about songs, hey, no frowns around here, just smiles all day because we, we love what we do. And, and I, uh -huh. I love turning off the lights here. A lot of people say you might, you might be micromanaging when you turn off lights at your own, own place. No, you, you have to pry me away because this is, this is living. This is, I love yeah. it. It's not the pressure. It's not the stress. It's the love. It's the care. It's the, it's the, it's, it's what you build and you see the smile and the joy that it brings to other people. And it, and it just, it grabs me and it perks me up. And it, that's why we do what we do. And I sleep well. I love it. That's it. And, and you what? I love it. And you sleep well, right? I sleep very well. Man, is that not it? I mean, that is it. I mean, you talk about it. I mean, that's it. Yep. You get to sleep well. You love what you're doing. You're surround. You're auditing your circles. You're surrounded by people that that are you know one team, team first, and inspire you to do more and do better because you know you have more potential in you. You got more gas in the tank. Okay, so my well, not my favorite album, but top five <laughs> greatest albums of all time is still Cypress Hill, Skull and Bones. 2000 dropped favorite track on that rock superstar. I think, I mean, I'm coming out of college. Uh, one of the most mediocre division three athletes. And uh, I think I'm moving to Dallas, Texas to join this billionaire to, you know, build this incredible dot-com company back then. They, Hey kids, they called it dot-com companies when Herman and I were growing up. Uh <laughs> And, and it didn't go well, but I'll tell you what, man, that album, that track has consistently been one of my go-tos next to, uh, I mean, Chris Cornell and his version of patience journey and don't stop believing and all these other incredible albums. What, what's like your go-to when you're like, man, like I just got punched right in the nose. Like I may have just gotten a concussion but I am still going to keep playing football. I'm still going to be playing the game that I'm playing right now. What's one of your favorite groups, albums, or tracks that you just oh go to? Goodness. I can't believe you put me on a spot like that. You know, it's, I would be doing a real disservice if I try and bring up one. I mean, give me a few. I mean, how about if I do this? How about if I give you artists? Love because it. Because 
because that way it 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 keeps it fair. And I think people will understand where I come from because we you know, I mean, I know you had a mixtape, right? You're so thoughtful. I mean, you are always the, so thoughtful. The kids may man. not the kids may not recognize that too. I know you had a mixtape, you had where you had to put the little cassette inside the thing. Where right now they just got everything's drop, everything's click, just you know click. they're all online. But so I Big Daddy Kane, because he was just a smooth rapper, that was one. <laughs> You can't you can't even start to say anything if you didn't have a little run DMC. Oh um, gosh, it, no doubt. Dougie Fresh, because he was just <laughs> and I'm that's that's telling you my era and that's telling you back then type people I listened to. And then the other one was um um heavy D. All right. We, we just lost all our 20-something right. listeners. But but then I'm gonna bump it up to you got you got um uh Tupac. And then I started to get another guy out of Chicago, Twister. That was yes. my guy. You know, he, he just the way he would rap and then Jay-Z. All right. Then now a lot of people are going to be a little controversial. Then I went to Ja Rule and I went to Chris Brown and then I went to Lil Wayne. All right. And now I'm back to like Bruno Mars. I'm uh, uh, Anthony Hamilton, uh, Charday. So so I've gone through the curve, right? And so I've gone up and down, and I'm here. So I'm, you know, her and all these. So I got groups I listen to, right? Oh so, man, know, I'm all, but but you can never go wrong with Motown or old school because that that was my mom and my grandmother. That's all I ever grew up on. So I didn't want to throw you know Marvin Gaye and Al Green and Otis Redding and any of those out right here and Gladys Knight and all those <laughs> kids wouldn't understand, you know. <laughs> That, that's how you grow the population of our country. You know, Barry White and Teddy Pendergrass and all those guys. You don't want to start doing that. That's how, that's how we got to get here, you know. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So, look, I love that, man. I, you know, always love being together with you. Herman Moore, serial entrepreneur, uh, literally one of uh, Detroit, Michigan's, the Great Lakes region, Midwest, the country's uh most influential and aspiring entrepreneurs not just a builder of companies but a builder of teams and a builder of people a mentor uh my dear friend lauren johnson's award you are a fountain my friend not a drain i'm super thankful and look that hall of fame uva nfl it's it's in your life's path and uh, I can't wait to be somewhere near you when those moments happen. Uh, mad respect and love to you, to your family, and to everything you touch. Uh, you know I am one of your biggest fans, and I'm so thankful that we were together today. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.